Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online, and and I'm in a different part of the country. I I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough, and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then, and you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Oh, yeah. Hey, listeners. Are you ready for a little healing and restoration after betrayal? Hi, I'm Carol the Coach, and we live in Tuscany, Italy on July 20th August 1st, and I'm with I am not sure why that did that, but we're going to start right now. Testing one, two, three. I am so excited because I have an old friend, a colleague who is, he's been on the show before. He always has topics that are so relevant to what we need to know about trauma attachment and self-love deficit disorder. And Ross, welcome to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. You've got a whole new plethora of materials, don't you? Oh, yes. First of all, it's so nice to be back, Carol. Nice to see you in person, and nice to see that you're just continuing the great work that you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. And, wow, I I remember seeing something on our listserv about trauma uh, resolution and integration treatment method, and I said, I have got to have Ross on the show. You have this acronym, HITCH. And so I just thought if we could start by you describing the work that you've been doing lately, because it's so imperative for clinicians to learn about that as well as clients. And so I started off in 2013 and I wrote my first human magnets in the book. And then I, I redid everything and, and created my last version of the human magnets in them. And I decided after doing that, I was no longer um, focused on explaining why these codependent pathological narcissist relationships keep happening. I wanted to explain not only um, why they happen, but for what reason and how to stop it. And in that time period, after the second book, I created a new term for codependency, and that was self-love deficit disorder, mm-hmm. um, and a new term for codependent, which is self-love deficient, SLDD for the problem, mm-hmm. and that's all be for the person. And then I also created an explanation for why a person became self-love deficient or codependent, which essentially was because of a tra- trauma, core shame, loneliness, and addiction, and then created a 10-stage uh, treatment program, which included my HITCH method, which is the Healing the Inner Trauma Child uh, Psychotherapy trauma integration method. So I've been really busy. So thank you for, for paying attention to, to how crazy my, my, my brain has been working on all this stuff. Well, absolutely. So let's start with the very beginning. Um, you know, describe your definition of what 
codependency is, and then we're going to talk about, again, what seems to have expanded into sure. that self-love deficit disorder. So when I wrote the Human Magnet Center book, I was very displeased uh, with the term codependency. There's just, there's just a horrible stigma placed upon it. I agree. It doesn't really have that much relevance anymore, and the term itself doesn't really make sense. And then I wasn't very happy with the fact that so many people, whether they're in our field or other mental health fields, they disregard the term and they look at it as like pop psychology. So what I did in my Human Magnet Center book is I simplified the definition, the definition of it mm-hmm. while expanding the explanation for it. So the definition essentially of a codependent is anyone who's in a relationship, um, they are giving away the preponderance or all of the love, respect, and care to others, wanting it to be reciprocated, it's not. Trying to make it reciprocal or mutual, they can't in staying in a relationship. With this definition, it now included all the different types of people. But codependency is not just one personality type. It explains all the different types of people, whether they were what we call active codependents or passive codependents or anorexic codependents. And from this human magnet syndrome-derived simplified codependency definition, my next stage was to get rid of the term completely. And that's when I came up with the idea that every codependent has a core problem with self-love deficiency mm-hmm. or self-love deficit. So it seemed to me that we should name the problem um, for the problem. Like, for example, if someone's got anxiety, they get generalized anxiety disorder. They get depression, they get major depression disorder. Well, if, you're, if you have problems with loving yourself, shame and loneliness, love deficit disorder fit, and people loved it, and they preferred it over the term the highly stigmatized codependency. Wow. And then from there, I created a very simplified explanation of the cause of codependency, self-love deficit disorder. And from there, I created my 10-stage treatment program. So that is kind of the... the the short version of the progress from the book to where we are with self-love deficit disorder and what I call now the self-love recovery program. Yeah, so tell us how we can find out more about that self-love deficit program. Yeah, so I I have a YouTube channel that has about 150 videos that I'm told has been viewed about 16 million times. And I have about 100, like I said, I have a bunch of videos on there and, and they're and there's a lot of explanations of, of this self-love recovery program. But I also um, own the Self-Love Recovery Institute. And on that website, selfloverecovery.com, I, um, I make available these full-length seminar videos for both therapists and for the general public that are from three hours to six hours that go into detail of not only what I once called codependency, but now the solution or what I call the codependency cure or the self-love recovery program. Well, and I, I went through the first course yesterday because I wanted to experience it and I wanted to see mm-hmm. how much it resonated with the sex addicts that I work with as well as the partners who have been betrayed right. and their own post-traumatic stress that they may have experienced. Sure. I thought it was really interesting because you really do think that so much of this boils down to uh, a trauma attachment disorder, if you will. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Self-love deficit disorder is caused by attachment trauma. The personality disorder, or let's say pathological narcissist, who the ESLD or codependent is always attracted to the narcissist, which is the human magnet in idea, that that personality disorder is also caused by attachment trauma. It's absolutely the core experience that brings these two people together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I find I've even said this to you before. Certainly many of the sex addicts and or the partners, they don't have narcissism per se, but the addiction itself has turned it into a narcissist-type behavior because, of course, it has to be all about them to continue with that behavior. Now, my clients that have been married to narcissists, oh, boy, they really resonate with your stuff because there's nothing more difficult than being someone who's found out through discovery that they've been betrayed 
And they've been living the whole time with the narcissist anyway, and they didn't know how to navigate that. And now they find out that there was, there was this whole second side that they never even knew. It's a, it's a slippery slope. And in my Human Magnetism book, I talk about pathological narcissists include one of three personality disorders, narcissistic, borderline, or antisocial or sociopathic personality disorders, uh-huh. and the active addict. Now, the active addict behaves narcissistically by virtue of the addiction. Now, you cannot diagnose an addict as a narcissist until they are sober Uh and in a recovery. And what you'll find out is that they can be either or or anything in between. So the addict who is a narcissist, the way that they recover is completely different than the addict who who is an SLD. So what happens with sex addicts who are SLD from codependent, right. all of a sudden go through recovery and get sober, we find out that it was because of a relationship with a narcissistic partner and the fact that um, love, care, and respect was being withheld from them, they sought their drug of choice. And, and then, of course, um, their drug of choice uh, was sexual acting out. But according to the human magnets in a very worthy lies, is this chemistry experienced in relationships is the opposite connection or the dance between the narcissist and the codependent. And what happens with these, these codependent turn addicts, once they start to recover, the relationship starts to crumble. Um, and for most, for one big part of it is because they screwed up really badly and hurt people, and they deserve full responsibility for it. But they also find out that they, they sought the self-medicating influence in order to escape the harm that they experienced from the narcissist, which is very similar to the harm that they experienced as a child. Yeah, so talk a little bit about that, the harm they experienced as a child. I'm sure that uh, there has to be four, six, eight, ten types of trauma that the people that you work with have experienced. Yeah, I, I, I consider only one type of trauma that causes self-love deficit disorder. Okay. And my focus really is on self-love deficit disorder. It's not on sex addiction, and it's on, not on pathological narcissism, even though I feel qualified to talk about that. But the person with SLDD or the codependent um, has experienced attachment trauma. That means as a child, one of their parents was a pathological narcissist. And, and to get love, they had to mold themselves, bend themselves, to be the type of child the narcissist wants. Because what we know about these personality disordered individuals that they can only love people if somehow that person makes them feel good about themselves. So the child, if that child, a boy or a girl, can mold themselves into the pleasing child, the gift child, the, um, the good child, the extension of the narcissist, they experience conditional love. And that is qualitatively different than everyone else in the family by bending themselves and becoming invisible, learning how to adjust and modify their ego and their personality, they take that, what I call, uh, relationship template, mm-hmm. and they bring that eventually to their adulthood because they learn that they can become the type of person that the narcissist needs to get the love that they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. And that comes from the trauma, the attachment trauma, which is what um, my program and my hitch method treats. Okay, so one more time, tell our listening audience, hitch stands for? Hitch is an acronym for healing the inner trauma child. And what I explain in my self-love recovery work or my codependency cure work, and I use a a, um, a pyramid, Uh that self-love recovery comes from attachment trauma, the very base of pyramid, from attachment trauma, it's this feeling of being fundamentally broken, what I call core uh, shame. Core shame comes from what I call pathological loneliness or this existential disease where a person feels painful and aching when they're alone, and the only time that pain goes away is when they're with someone else. From pathological loneliness comes what I call self-love deficit disorder or codependency addiction, which is this yearning and to take that pain away. And their drug of choice, their acting out, requires them to be in a relationship. Being in a relationship quells that loneliness, that pathological loneliness. 
And according to the human magnet syndrome, you're going to pick a narcissist. And at the very top of the, of the pyramid is what we know self-love deficit disorder or codependency. It's just symptoms. So the problem is people are treating the symptoms that are at the very top of the, of, of the um, pyramid when the real problems are, um, are the fundamental forces that are at the bottom, namely attachment trauma, core shame. So, the, um, so in order to solve attachment trauma, mm-hmm. not to go too technical here, but any type of trauma, whether it's post-traumatic stress disorder, CPTSD, or attachment trauma, um, the brain um, protects the person ex- um, who experienced this such type of trauma by relegating it or moving it or disconnecting it or disassociating it from conscious awareness and moves it to another part of the brain. It's, a, it's, it's the protective um, function of the brain and trauma. So there has to be a form of treatment or therapy that can find that trauma in a place that the person does not know about or is aware about, aware of. So I created my hitch method to locate the trauma that has been hidden to process that in real time um, during which um, when the child was hurt and traumatized and forward and integrated. So then the person, the recovering SLD, can finally work past the problem that has been blocked um, by, the, by their, their brain's own protective devices. And so that's so interesting because you remember Patrick Carnes said to us early on that to do good therapy, we were going to have to be brain scientists. We were really going to yes. have to explore where were these wounds and where did they hide in the brain and understand that neuroplasticity as well as that um, protective device that keeps people locked into something they don't want. And so you keep saying the part of the brain. And can you name that part of the brain? Oh, yeah, of course I can. First of all, Patrick Carnes is an icon. Mm-hmm. So important, important to my own personal, uh, emotional, and, and professional development. You cannot say enough about his work and how it impacted me. Um, the part of the brain in which trauma resides in its disassociated form is called um, the, limb, uh, the limbic system, but more specifically, the amygdala, which is an almond-shaped part of the brain that is within the, uh, the limbic system. And, and that part of the brain is a repository of these memories that were so painful and disturbing that the conscious brain, by virtue of, if you think of like a fuse box, that if there's too much electrical charge, um, the fuse box will register it and be afraid that it will burn down the house. It shuts it down and takes it offline. Mm-hmm. When trauma is too much for the brain to manage and process, whether it's PTSD, which is more episodic, or attachment trauma, which is um, relational from the life, mm-hmm. it moves it to the part of the brain that is not connected to our memory, our conscious memory, so that we it helps us survive, or, and so those memories are frozen in time in pristine, high-definition form, but they're not available in memory, but they come out in all the harmful, bad, and lonely, and pathological forms that we see in codependency or self-love deficit disorder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so interesting you said that because I did a workshop on Friday, virtually, on trauma and post-traumatic growth. And I tried to explain that too, that the amygdala, the fight, flight, or freeze portion of the brain then sends the signals to that interior cingulate, which is that Mm -hmm. nutshell. And although that is part of the limbic system, it also feeds all those emotions. And would you believe, and I bet you know, that rejection is the primary emotion someone feels when they have been threatened. And so, of course, um, from there it goes to the executive functioning or the prefrontal cortex, and people can't make decisions rationally when they've been traumatized like that. And if it's long-term trauma, it means they're forever making choices that meet a need without really being able to reason it out. Exactly. And let me... I like, I like how you put that, but let me add to that, is that um, the trauma experienced 
um, in one detachment uh, phase, which can be from age zero all the way up to um, later adolescence. We're not talking about the type of trauma we understand as PTSD, you know, you know um, war, horrible harm, or event that um, our brain could not manage, so it, it, put, it put it away mm -hmm. into our um, limbic system, namely the amygdala. Um, but this type of trauma, um, it, it, it cannot be processed because the brain actually, is, it, it, it's kind of strange to talk, talk to you about the brain as almost being like a person. Mm -hmm. The brain decides what it can and can't handle, and for every person that's different. And if the brain thinks that the memory of this part of one's life is just too difficult and painful to remember, it brings it back into a place where they can't get to. But the, the, the difficulty and, and, and the sad part is that in the amygdala, where these memories are, it is not connected to our thinking, our ego-centered part of our brain, which is the prefrontal cortex, the outside of our brain, because the, it's not meant to be remembered. But the memories are alive, constantly being processed. And that is why someone with PTSD, or for that matter, someone with self-love deficit disorder with attachment trauma, they are getting um, signals and signs and feelings and experiences. Triggers. Triggers mm -hmm. that, that bring about these, these actual physical changes that create anxiety and fear and loneliness or sadness that, that make them act in irrational or addictive-like ways, just like whether it's heroin, sex, and so, yes, it is stored in the amygdala, mm -hmm. and we might not remember it, but it, it's back there playing all the time, making sure that we don't put ourselves in situations that are harmful. The problem is it's not a part of our thinking brain, so it's very rudimentary, and it gets us in trouble. Well, and I do believe that's why treatments, trauma treatments like EMDR can be helpful because you indicated earlier, you know, people's have memories consciously or subconsciously where they're coming in and out of memory. And then of course, unconsciously. And for some of our clients that have really stored this and protected it because it's so painful and it's to understand, um, they don't, it's difficult to bring that up because it may not be safe. And certainly EMDR is one of those treatments that if you've got a good therapist doing it, can help to process some of that stuff. So now I want to hear how you help your clients with processing all the all those memories that they don't even know they have, but their body has kept score and they're still being activated. So before, <laughs> before I do that, okay. can you say um, EMDR is a remarkable treatment technique that I could not praise more? but it does not solve attachment problems. It can solve elements of it. EMDR was developed. It's a research-based treatment um, that works well for trauma that has a beginning and an ending, whether it was like one event, you know, a week's worth of events. But when the trauma starts, and for some say in utero, uh -huh. but it's, you know, the first week of one's life, it goes all the way till you know, their, their mid to late teenage years. But they form a trauma that cannot be resolved by EMDR. I cannot tell you how many. Um, my company runs a, um, um, a week intensive self-love recovery ret um, retreat, hmm. and where we actually use the Hitch method, and people fly from all over the world to come to this retreat. And so many of the people that have come to this retreat on this intensive weekend have explained that they've used, they've had EMDR, and they say it was helpful but it cannot get to a large swath of their life that is relegated, um, mm -hmm. parts of it that are relegated into the, the limbic system. So um, to your question, how do I do that? Um, we don't have enough time in, in, in this uh, radio broadcast, but I have a 10-stage love recovery treatment program that, um, that could take me um, – two hours to talk in moderate detail and six hours in complete detail. But I, I, I devised, created um, a treatment strategy that addresses all elements 
of the self-love deficit disorder. And it is stage seven of the 10 stages that I actually use the HITCH method, the healing the inner trauma child method. And, it's, and, and the presumption is that you should not treat that type of trauma when the SLD or the codependent mm-hmm. is actively um, behaving in a disassociated, unconscious way and keeping themselves or being gaslit or entrapped in relationships that are harmful. So the presumption is that through these seven stages, we get the person to the point where there is uh, where the self-love deficit disorder actually transforms into what I call self-love abundance, which is, is uh, what I call the codependency cure. And they have a solid foundation in which they are not entrapped, traumatized by narcissism in their life. Uh-huh. They turn that around. They built up social uh, systems. Just all those seven stages get them to a really solid point in their life when it is it, it makes it's common sense but it's safe to explore the unconscious trauma. Because when you're going to pull up things that are not supposed to be remembered, remember, the brain does it that way to protect the person, and you're going to explore in what most people should not, you need to make sure that that person's life, physical, emotional, relational, is stable. And that's why I save that for the seventh stage in my 10-stage program. Okay, so now for our listening audience, they may have tuned in in the middle of this, um, tell them how they can get to your website, how they might look at the intensive, and, and get some of the courses that you offer that help them to understand the framework from which you're going to work. Well, my company is called Self Love Recovery Institute. Okay. And the website is selfloverecovery.com. And everything from my books, my human magnet syndrome is translated into seven languages. I'm so blessed that it is sold 100,000 copies. I sometimes have to pinch myself. I just can't believe that, you know, that's happening. But there, there's a book out there. And, and, that's, and I have those books available at the website. And I have around 15 educational videos that are, that are between three hours and six hours long, many of which are recorded live presentations. And every element of my work, whether it's a human magnet syndrome element and, or what I call the Compensate Cure, the self-love recovery program, and those videos, um, those um, in-depth, detailed videos are located at selfloverecovery.com. Or you can go to YouTube and get excerpts of those, and of course, there's no charge. Excuse me. There's no charge, and people can get a taste of it. But yes, there's, there's information out there, whether it's at selfloverecovery.com or YouTube. Okay. And I am talking with Ross Rosenberg, who is the guru uh, you wanted to change the mission. Exactly. I, yes, and so can I just ask you something off offline, online that has <laughs> nice no one can hear. No, I'm going to ask you. I want to know what do you think about prodependence? Um, I think there's a lot of people that write books about codependency, and um, I did read um, most of the book. And there are some positive elements of that book that I support. Uh-huh. Well, I, I do love the fact that, obviously, with prodependence, we're not pathologizing anybody for maybe that trauma attachment they experienced early on. Um, well, well, the problem that I have with many books, and I don't want to talk about one book in particular. That's fair. It, and is, or one author in particular, is that there are many books that explain the problem but they have not integrated it in a, in a theoretically solid presentation that also matches up with the treatment program. Mm-hmm. And one of, one of the biggest complaints that I got <laughs> when I wrote the Human Magnet Center and traveled all around the world presenting it, it's like, okay, fine, thank you. You told us what it is, but what do we do for it now? And so um, this is a problem that defies will, willpower. It defines conscious motivation. It's a problem that is so deeply rooted into um, our attachment trauma and the forces that created us, and it's an addiction in itself that what people need to know is is how to solve the problem in a way that is theoretically, psychologically um, solid. And I wish there were more books because I get 
hundreds upon hundreds of letters every week saying, okay, can you help me? What do I do? Mm-hmm. And there's just very few therapists out there or books that talk about how to solve this problem that's so deeply embedded in our unconscious psyche. So any book that helps people understand codependency or self-love deficit disorder and frames it in a way that uh, it's a problem that is creating so much misery and and harm the person's life and can lead them into a solution, I support wholeheartedly. Well, I hear that. And obviously, like I said, you have made it your mission to alter people's perceptions and help them figure out where they need to go. And you use that pyramid method and you really take them to the foundation uh, and to do that inner child work. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, and to hear that it's number seven where you get to apply that hitch uh, technique uh, gives people hope because it sounds like it is very well thought out. You have to go through step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and it is a 10-step process, correct? Yeah, and it's complicated. For example, the hitch training video mm-hmm. is six hours long, mm-hmm. and it's not, it doesn't train. So you can't watch a video and all of a sudden do it. But not only do I explain things, but I, I also let them be complicated enough and, and describe solutions. Step, uh, step four and five, um, preparing for the narcissistic storm and setting boundaries in a, um, in a, a hostile environment, there's a video that's, that's six hours on that. Mm-hmm. So, so my goal is to share this information with people so they can finally have an explanation for what they're experiencing and then have a sensible, um, intuitive-sounding solution. And then my goal, and I will do this until it's my last breath, is to get this information in the hands of therapists so that they can help me help these suffering people solve the problem so that they can push away and end self-love deficits or and experience the cure. And I do mean cure, um, self-love abundance. Mm-hmm. And that would be to create a secure attachment, to be able to do that within themselves yes. and then with other people. In fact, that's a great way to simplify it, is that to have self-love abundance is to solve the underlying forces to keep someone buried in their own trauma history, is to find a way to bring that forward, solve it, let it go, and then it's a, psychotherapy is an interesting thing because we psychotherapists know that when we do it well, we are reparenting our clients. Mm-hmm. They've never had, my SLD clients never had or understood what it's like to be in a relationship where they feel safe, validated, um, and, and have someone who directs them to find who they really were. Mm-hmm. In fact, my favorite saying is by George Eliot, it's never too late to be the person you should have been. And that's what therapy should be. Well, absolutely, and you you brought up an important point that with good therapists who have the proper training on this, they will be safe enough so that the client can do the work and will be reparenting them and then also will be teaching them to reparent themselves. And I really say this all the time. It came from addiction work 30 years ago. Even longer, yeah. Yeah, ultimately, well, that's when I started studying. Well, no, wait a minute. I, it's really 40, but I don't think I got that concept until about 30 years ago. And truly, that is the name of the game. That is the way to love yourself through the trauma and to secure some um, attachments with people that are safe. And let's face it, these people reattach to unsafe people until they do work. Right. And, and, and Patrick Harms and, and so many other people talk about, you know, we, we, we keep, um, we keep uh, being drawn to the same type of trauma that we experience um, because it's familiar and therefore um, we're more comfortable with familiar than unfamiliar. But when we resolve the self of deficiency, the self of deficit we then open it up for what should have happened if the child had what I call normal parents. And normal to me are parents that try their best, even with their mistakes. But the child learns self-love if the child was loved. And if we can inculcate um, a person with self-love, abundance, 
and teach them how to learn what they should have learned as a child, it's, 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 it's infectious. Uh-huh. Which is why I call this the, the codependency cure, is that once we solve the trauma and we open people up to the idea that they, they don't have to identify with the shame and this loneliness, this addiction, they experience life completely different and there's no turning back. Uh-huh. It's not like other addictions, like sex, cocaine, alcohol, you, you solve this trauma disorder, no one will ever go back to self-love deficiency because self-love feels so good. Once you fall in love with yourself, that's the secret of finally experiencing the relationship that you always deserved and wanted. Well, you know, you were talking about that trauma bonding, and Patrick Carnes will be the first to say that it was his own trauma bonding in his own sure. family that created much of his addiction. And that yes. it, then he was re-traumatized by therapists that he worked with probably for 20 years before he found a therapist that really got to the meat of the problem. Now, because of where he was, he had such a drive to not only help clients and create support groups, but then to train us to do a good job with our clients. Why do you have this incredible passion and mission and you're going to do it (laughs) till the day you die? Let me throw out a big fancy word that I love and then answer your question. Okay. So is iatrogenic trauma. And that is a trauma from the actual treatment of a problem that you're seeking help from. Because when the, when the treatment to resolve a problem actually becomes harmful and traumatic, uh-huh. not only do you hurt the person, but you exponentially increase your sense of powerlessness over the potential of resolving it. And when you have therapists that are ill-trained, and ill-educated, or just doing things plain wrong, it adds layers um, to the person's potential to solve it. Mm-hmm. And because of brilliant people like Patrick Carnes and so many others, we can solve this problem where it is and move the person forward. Um, and I forgot your question. <laughs> well, I wanted to know why you had such a passion. Okay, to, yeah. You know, and you said, till the day you die, you are going to be teaching clinicians how to do this work right. Because treatment-induced you know, trauma is the worst. You know, I, you know, I have, I, I'm a recovering SLD, a recovering codependent. I am a recovering addict, and I have been married and divorced more times than I want to discuss. And I have been in and out of therapy my whole life, trying to get to the the the, the, the core, the center of this. And it's through you know the 30 plus years mm-hmm. of being in and out of counseling and trying to figure elements of it out, I've been slowly and progressively finding the, the, the condition, the situation, the, the, um, the oasis of sorts, where I no longer had to be encumbered and held on by my own self-love deficiency. And because of that, my life has changed. I've experienced self-love. I've experienced the absence of, of this self-love disorder addiction. Um, I have never been more happy and healthy, and it came to me through my mistakes and, and all the things that had, uh, had happened to me uh-huh. and all the good therapists. So I know what it feels like to be self-love deficient, to be trapped and buried or married. Oops. Was that a Freudian Sorry. <laughs> um, no, but buried by one's unconscious trauma. So I am so enthusiastic about it. And plus, I am blessed. I am so darn fortunate. Uh-huh. So many people, whether it's my 165,000 YouTube subscribers or people that read my book, people tell me that the unique way that I um, explain both the forces that bring these relationships together, um, aka the human magnet center, and my codependency cure, self-love recovery program, it changed their life. I mean, when I was 17, I wanted to be a counselor or a therapist. Back in my idealistic uh, years, like youth home, mm-hmm. I wanted to change the world. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe that I'm actually getting a chance to have impact in, in some way, whether it's small, impacting the world one recovering SLD at a time. Mm-hmm. So I, I, until I can't do this, I will be working on this. Well, and I think it's interesting that you call your work, because I was sitting here thinking that, you call it a cure as opposed to recovery. 
Yeah, I mean, you yeah. really believe when somebody does this work, it... It is a cure. And let me explain. I am a CSAT, Certified Sex Addiction Treatment Provider, and I'm a CADC, a Certified Addiction Counselor, and, and have 32 years background. Mm-hmm. An addiction is not curable. I haven't had a cigarette in 14 years. I picked up a cigarette and smoked it and get that nicotine into my bloodstream, um, I'd be back on it. Mm-hmm. You know, sex addiction, alcoholism, there is no cure for an addiction because that's the way the brain is. And, and this is not the reason for the show or, or, or this discussion. But self-love deficit disorder, or what I call the self-love recovery program, it solves the problem at its foundation. Mm-hmm. If you can understand it as a self-love deficiency that was created by attachment trauma, that created um, a self, a, a core shame, that created this pathological loneliness, that created this addiction, and ultimately at the top of the pyramid, the symptoms that we know as SLDD or propensity. Right. You solve the, uh, the primary foundational um, uh, causes. Right, it's no longer there. It's no longer there. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone is happy ever after, but they are not caught in the hamster wheel of life where they keep perpetuating the harm that they so much want to stop. Well, and I wonder, excuse me, I wonder if it also readjusts the chemicals in the brain, Um, you know, so that the dopamine's there, the oxytocin's there. I mean, you're experiencing normalcy when it comes to brain science. Absolutely. I, you know what? I, one thing I just love about my work is I, I, um, I figured out a way to connect, connect brain science, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the, the physical structures of the brain, the, 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 the neurons, the neural paths, the wiring of our brain, the chemical nature of our brain, the psychological nature of our brain, um, um, the, the actual functioning of parts of our brain, and then we have the environment of what many people think is psychology, which is the could not be further from the truth. It integrates, I believe, my work integrates all of this because I've always been the type of person to see the world and want to integrate it. I've never been, even as a beginning therapist, I never ascribed to one theory or one treatment program. I always wanted to know the other side of it and the other way of doing it. So yes, I am so grateful to, uh, to, to whether it's Buster Vanderkolk, Peter Levine, uh, Patrick Carnes, um, uh, early pioneering work in codependency by Melody Beattie, uh, um, Sharon Luxire Cruz, all the people, just, I don't have enough time, that created an understanding of codependency, um, John Bradshaw, mm-hmm. and, and all the scientists and researchers, I think that by virtue of my interest in these brilliant people, I often said I stand on the shoulders of giants. I came up with a simpler way of explaining the problem, synthesizing um, into um, an explanation that is intuitively agreeable to therapists and the public at large. Very few people say I'm wrong because I explain it just using the psychological concepts that everyone agrees with already. Mm-hmm. I get that. And again, your program is different because it teaches people how to do the work and how to get there. And, and yes. it doesn't just conceptualize the issue but talks about the treatment. And so one more time for our listening audience who are clinicians, coaches, and sex addicts and betrayed partners, the 10-step model is called? It's the 10-stage self-love recovery model. Um, and I, have, you know, I also have the nickname, which will be the name of the book, The Codependency Cure. Um, that um, um, and my... My pyramid, my self-love deficit disorder pyramid, and the self-love abundance pyramid that I didn't get a chance to talk about, which is fine. That information um, is in my human, my, my latest human magnet center book, and um, as an introduction, but is available in seminar videos uh-huh. uh, that are designed for both um, um, mental health practitioner and the general audience at self love recovery. Dot com or my self love recovery institute and the weekend the weekend some uh, the weekend intensive or retreat that we do every three months minus this month because of the virus so we do with great success 
We do that every three months. And information about that retreat is also at selfloverecovery.com. And my book. And I have to say um, to our listening audience, I did go through it yesterday. And I was sitting there. First of all, you're still married, right? <laughs> no, I am not. I've been divorced for two years. Oh. And that's why I said I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life because I am work in progress. And the more I learn about myself, the more I figure out my 10 stages. For example, stage nine is when you take your self-love abundance and you bring that into a relationship. And mm-hmm. stage 10 is a complete, um, um, the complete experience of being self-love abundant or cure. And I am truly understanding stage nine and 10 in a way that is helping me write my material. All of my material comes from my own life. Yes. And so I, I've been divorced for two years, and I'm so fortunate to have a wonderful girlfriend and experiencing a self-love mutual, self-love abundant mutual relationship for the first time in my life. Congratulations. And, uh, the reason I asked you is because those <laughs> online courses, one of your administrative assistants was your wife's sister, was it not? <laughs> no. The woman with the red hair? I thought she said that you were her brother-in-law, and so I'm. And that there you had a staff of three right now, and I thought I I was a really good husband and a really good brother-in-law. And when I was married to my wife, um, her sister worked for me, Uh and her name was Carla Prophet, and Carla did a really good job. It just seemed that um, her interest in the job waned at about the same time, (laughs) so my relationship with her sister Wayne, but she did great work, and yes, you are right. So she was singing your praises, although she said you worked too hard. She was, I mean, she was really good at her job, and I miss her in so many ways, but you know, things happen, relationships move on, and and I hear she's doing great, and I just wish the very best for her. Well, so I wanted to tell my listening audience that, you know, you explain this process so well. And I was sitting there going, are those therapists out there watching him or are they clients? Because you make it so easy to understand that, you know, I said, I think clients, but I don't know. This is easy stuff to get. So I would highly recommend if you're out there listening to this show that you take a look at, it's called reallovecovery.com. No, it's selfloverecovery. Selfloverecovery.com. I'm not allowed to mention the price of the course, but I checked it out. It's super affordable for all those hours of training that you get and and developmental understanding. It is a great deal, great deal for the price. And, yeah, absolutely. I was I was so happy that I thought, oh, this will be good for this client and this client and this client and this clinician. <laughs> so I really admire the work you do. And uh, your, your honesty is just wonderful. And I can feel that passion. And you really have mastered the pyramid. And so I would also encourage, I'm sure it's not cheap and you can't mention prices, but that intensive has got to be, it has to catapult people into the change. It's actually, it's a, it's a cathartic experience where I, um, I use my hitch method that was designed um, and um, modified to be used in a three-day program that connects people to the source of their codependency or self-love deficit disorder, the source that had been up to that point um, dissociated or repressed or unconscious. And, and, when I interview people, I, I only accept people that I interview that fit the criteria. One of the criteria is they're already in therapy. And so that, so that when they are finished that program, they go back to their therapist, whom I actually provide. Uh, when people go to uh, my, my, my retreat, I tell them um, that I will sell or give away uh, three, uh, three seminars to the therapist it's because there's not enough people that understand this. Mm-hmm. And they go right to the therapist and they move to the next stages where they can finally shed this problem of that they've had the whole life. Yeah, well, you can see that you pay it forward and your generosity was greatly appreciated. And we got to have you back on the show so we can talk some more about it. Is there anything you want to leave our listening audience with? You know, 
there's a saying, and I always butcher it, but it's by uh, Anais Lin. And the time, and the time came when um, being safe in a bud, you, you lose more than opening up and being a flower and experiencing love, even though you're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the saying is short and concise, but I say to your listeners mm-hmm. that protecting yourself from yourself, your, your self-predictive, your, your self-fulfilling prophecy that you're a, a bad person and no one will love you, um, you don't have to keep yourself protected anymore. You can have hope. You can believe that you can, be, you can heal yourself from the trauma and experience your, your birthright to love yourself and to live a life that is imbued by self-love and to share that with other similar people. Well, that was a mouthful, but I absolutely agree with you. And, I mean, what better work to do than to get people to love themselves? Uh, Thank you. I agree. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing your, your light with us tonight. Well, thank you, Carol. You do great work, and I'm so pleased uh, to have been included on your radio show, and, and I look forward to it next time. Absolutely. And you can catch this uh, recording on his YouTube, and it should be there by the end of the week. Absolutely. Uh, uh, um, Friday, if not Monday, we have a lot going on, but we will have this, and, and you guys will get to see Carol, not just hear her. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got a tie. I'm a mess. But thank you so much, and I can't wait to continue to read your work and uh, hear more about it. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And, wow, you did. That was really good, Carol. Thank you. Oh, I loved it, too. So what I'm going to do is edit it mm-hmm. and tell our listening audience that there will only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. We're live right now, and um, I'm going to disconnect with them and stay on with you for just a few more minutes. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.